Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And this podcast is brought to you by Everything's Everything's Coming Up Simpsons. Simpsons. Make sure to tune in on September 11th. We are talking about the episode Radio Bart with a special guest you may recognize. Hi, I'm Nancy Cartwright. And actually, I'm Bart Simpson. Who the (gasps) hell are you? Ah! We're so excited. this This is so good. This was one of our favorite episodes we've ever done. Mark your calendars. I don't know. You're probably already downloading it. What What is this life? Uh, September 11th, we are joined by, you already heard her, Nancy Cartwright. We're so excited. Please tune in. All right. Bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Last Rampage, the new true crime film starring Robert Patrick, Heather Graham, and Bruce Davison. And we had the pleasure of speaking to someone involved with the movie. My name is Robert Patrick. I play Gary Tyson. That's Gary Tyson with an I in the film Last Rampage. Evil broke loose in 1978. Arizona State Penitentiary. You know, that was interesting. What what, what it was like playing a real person as opposed to a, a fictional character. It was really trying to wrap your head around how this guy could do some of the things that he could do. That was the the things that you were drawn on. Of course, there was no way you're going to try to do an impersonation of a guy, nor was I going to try to, you know, get as heavy as the guy. Uh, I didn't have enough time to really go that route. But I, I, you know, I found him really, really interested in trying to live up to the charisma that he had. I fell in love with the folklore of the story, like there, you know, the the whole idea that he was a guy that was raised uh, during the Great Depression. See that, from a historical point of view, those kind of stories resonate with me. That yearning for something better, trying to find it, have to steal to get it. How do you deal with that if you're a religious person? You know, how do you run underneath that? How do you justify it? He had a double life sentence that he began to push his wife and his kids to say, God, you know, I'm going to serve one term, and when I die, I'm going to serve another term in hell. Uh, I got to get out of this. And, and the, 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 the link that he was willing to uh, uh, go to to get his kids to help him get through this and get him out of prison was, it was fascinating to me. Don't miss Last Rampage, the true story of the prison break of Gary Tyson. In theaters September 22nd and available for on-demand pre-order August 22nd. Find out more on Twitter by following at LastRampageFilm or on Facebook.com slash LastRampageFilm. Welcome to the X-Files Files. I'm Kumail Nanjiani, our guest, Steve Asbell. Hello. You're back. Thank you for having me back. Oh, thanks for coming back. And um, you are telling me that you're going to the Toronto International Film Festival for the premiere of a movie you've been working on, The Martian. Yes. Um, it's uh, the one with Matt Damon, directed by Ridley Scott. Matt Damon, he gets Stuck on Mars. Stuck on Mars. It seems awesome, because it's not really sci-fi... 
the name sounds more sci-fi than it is. Yes, it is. It's it's science-based. It's mean, more it's like survival. It's and Robinson Crusoe on another planet. On another planet. I, mean, I think, and it's it's a novel that um, it's a really great story. I don't know if I've talked about it last time I was on here, but the way in which it all came about was so uh, fortunate and and just a great story in that the author had been this Andy Weir, this kind of Andy Weir who's uh, wrote the novel, had been putting the book online himself first. Um, oh, so it wasn't, didn't have a publisher. It was not published uh, when we bought the rights. Oh, wow. And he had been putting it up um, uh, on his own site. He had a, a small but loyal group of followers and then he ended up putting it up on Amazon and he was actually kind of apologetic because you have to charge on Amazon. He had been giving okay. it away. Um, people just, so he'd been putting it out in installments? He'd been putting it out in installments. And then um, he finished it, or he finished a version of it, I believe, and put it up on Amazon and was like really regretful that he had to charge 99 cents. Yeah. He's the, genuinely the nicest guy yeah. like, ever and somebody that you're so happy to, to when one of these stories happens because, you know, we ended up getting the rights um, just because it was such an extraordinary voice. Um, and my, I think I've mentioned him ironically on this on the last podcast, my best friend, um, who is partners with uh, Simon Kinberg, my best friend's name is Dithya Sood, and he and I've been friends for like 20 years, and he found this book, and he's like, this is this is the movie we've been talking about making forever. And yeah. I, he like, explains to me the, the, a bit of the premise, and I'm like, you know, classic studio executive. I'm like, well, does it sound like gravity? Like, I don't yeah. know, is it a thing? And, uh, and I read like 10 pages, and it was just, th this author, this guy, his voice is, is just shines through. And so much of the story and what I think um, everybody that made the film, um, Drew Goddard, who adapted it, and then Ridley and everybody else, um, uh, there's a lot of humor in it because it's about this guy who finds out that he's been accidentally left behind on Mars when yeah. his crew, um, they're caught in a storm and they have to take off and they think he's dead. And he wakes up and like his first words in the book are like, I'm fucked, basically. Yeah. And so he has to figure out how to stay alive. I don't know if I said this last time, but I auditioned for that movie. And it was to this day, maybe the most awkward audition I've ever had. I think you might have told me that because I probably felt bad. I, not, oh, it's not, not, not your fault. Having I'm, helped. I'm something. just sitting in a chair in a room pretending that I'm flying through space. <laughs> I didn't read for the Matt Damon part. Right. One of the smaller support people that are trying to rescue him part. from being like... Hold on to me. It was just like, what What are we doing? I mean... It is amazing when they pick... Because we don't always know... The one they picked was... They picked a bad scene That's to what I'm saying. We don't always know which ones are picked they for They picked some a of the bad scene. Because it was like reads. a big action scene with the guy flying through space. And it's like, hold on to me. Yeah. And then we see Dude, it. The and gravity it's like, thrusters. Who picked that scene? Yeah. It, it was so fucking awkward. Um, but I'm glad the movie's good. The movie's really good. That's it great. It really well. So uh, I'm excited to see it. Everybody worked really hard, and so hopefully it finds its audience. I like to hear a movie where sometimes when, when they're like, you know, the movie's good. Nobody really worked that hard on it. Yeah, but, it was like... But it turned out good. But it actually wasn't that hard. I mean, I would say it wasn't that hard. Everybody worked very hard on it. But what was great about the process was the material itself, which it wasn't like, oh, we bought, you know, Gone Girl or some book that was, you know, at auction and we spent yeah. millions and millions of dollars. It was just this really great piece and that everybody that read it kind of wanted to do it. Drew Goddard yeah. was the first person we sent the book to and he was like, I, I guess his, I don't know if I mean this right, but his great uncle or, or great great uncle is the Goddard of Goddard Space Center. Um, so he like grew up in Los Alamos stuff, and so yeah. he, he grew up in that kind of environment. 
and he fell in love with it. And, and we had been trying to get in business with him for a while, and he was just like, I'm going to do it. And so it wasn't hard in the sense that everybody sort of said yes. Then Matt read the script and said yeah. yes, and then Drew, who was originally going to direct it, um, was going to then do uh, uh, the Spider-Man spin-off Sinister Six when that was happening. And that's not and happening so, anymore. I guess it's not happening now. Okay. There's a different Spider-Man plan at Sony, Oh, yeah, Spider-Man's gone to Marvel. He spe- well, they're, it's still at Sony, but they're, they're sort of working it's on loan? together. Yeah, it's on, la- it's on layaway, I believe. Weird. No, they're, they're just, uh, I guess, I don't know what the deal is, but they're, they're um, sharing. Yeah. The character, I guess. Um, So I asked you which episode you wanted to do, and you said Paper Hearts. Paper Hearts is the one with Tom Noonan. He's a serial killer. He's the one he's cutting, like, uh, heart-shaped dresses, uh, heart-shaped pieces out of the dresses of these little girls that he's killing. And this is an episode that whenever I think of the best episodes of The X-Files, this is one of the first ones I think of. Because what I like about it is that it is a self-contained story, but it connects to the mythology in a character way, not necessarily in a plot way, because the whole thing of this is, is it possible that Mulder's sister wasn't kidnapped by aliens? Maybe it was just some random fucking serial killer that got her. And I know that now when you watch it, you know, well, there's no way they're going to upend the whole mythology of the show for one great episode. But when I first watched it, I was like, oh, shit, what if it was this guy? Um, What did you think of this episode? I thought I, I I remember I think it's mostly great, and yeah. part of the reason I wanted to to talk about it here is that is that similarly I when I first saw it I remembered it being um so I was really taken aback by that idea that it was just going to be going to reframe the entire yeah. mythology and and as I watched it again I I felt like on one hand it's some of the best procedural writing and directing of the series. I mean, it's Vince Gilligan. It's it's just genuinely the actual writing of the show. And Rob Bowman, I think, has some of um, does some of his best work in the episode. The music. Mulder is great. David Duchovny. David Duchovny is, is, is good. Yeah. He's good. He's fine. No, it is. It, it was somebody said, maybe it was uh, uh, Darren Mooney, um, who I love to read, as you do, when yeah. I go to these things, that it was Mulder's Beyond the Sea. Right. Kind of it I is. Which I thought was yeah. kind of interesting. But... I think that was that aspect of it I loved, and I loved the fact, as you say, that it's one of the few times that they've tried to marry the two basic formats of the show, like yeah. a standalone uh, episode, in this case a non-super or seemingly non-supernatural serial murder, which they've done a few times, yeah, and the, one of the central mythology themes of the series, which is Mulder's sister. But I guess when I was watching it, I, it, by the end, I had more trouble with it this time because of the way the dream aspect of it was handled. Well, that's the toughest part for me is like, I love this episode. I love Tom Noonan. Tom Noonan is amazing. Like you said, I love the idea of them having to go find the scar and get the the old heart. You know, there's like a great mystery at the center of it. But that I wish that the dream thing, it feels like such a shortcut. I, f- I wish that they had explained it more. It's crazy to me that I'm watching an episode of The X-Files and wishing that there wasn't an X-File in But there. that's what's interesting about it is that there are entire episodes devoted to ideas like that. Yes. The idea of is this really ha- – is, is somebody astrally projecting in their yeah. dreams? Is this really happening? Where in this, it's kind of having it both ways, which is he's having these incredibly detailed dreams. He wakes up and knows where the, f- the, the, the first victim is. Right. And Scully says to him, 
maybe you solved it in your head. Yeah, like maybe you, in your dream. kind yeah. of a provocative idea, but then you think, well, that's not, without a supernatural intervention in the story, that's actually not possible, that he knew exactly where to go. Well, maybe it is look. because it's a case that he's been working on for a long time. Right. I don't know. I, I would love for there to be a way that this makes sense without it being in the, the dream connection thing. Because it, the, the idea of the car he right. just comes up with on his own, the only thing that's... And him connecting to his sister is something right. that he could come up with on his own. Well, that was interesting. The only thing that, that there was a... It only happened after they went to see John Lee Roach the first time. And what yeah. was cool about that was that that the suggestion of this is personal for you is... Like it spins Mulder out. It, it spins him out. Like I yeah. actually thought that... Oh, that was interesting because, and his intro, by the way, one of the greatest. He's like, just playing basketball. He's just playing basketball, and, and he's, he's like, so hey, buddy, like, "What's up?" Like, yeah, hey, Mulder. He's so understated the yeah. whole time. What he's like, you know, I just thought thirteen was a cooler number. Yeah. Was a what does he say? It was like a magical number. Yeah. He says, "I thought that was great." Where he's like, "I don't know." I mean, when he's like fucking with Mulder, he's like, "Pick one of these." Yeah. Like, yeah, you just come. Yeah, yeah, it's good. He's like, "Oh, is that is that what you want?" He's just fucking with Mulder. He's just a bored, yeah, pedophile murderer. Who's like, ah, I just, well, and then he's like, sink the shot. And then he sinks it. He's like, are you going to listen to the word the of child, a child yeah, molester? Exactly. But that's what was so cool because it's Tom Noonan, who, of course, was in Manhunter. And that's probably what he's best oh, he's, known for. Oh, he's great and stuff. There's a movie Hunt. called House of the Devil. Have yeah. you seen it? I yes. really like it. And Tom yeah. Noonan's great in it. He's like a great go-to low-level creep, if but you want that. He actually that. has a sense of, he, he, <laughs> they, they upend some of those conventions and he has a real sense, sort of sense of humor about it which I thought was really good but he's so severe looking that it's yes. always like you're all there's always like darkness there but he really plays it so oh it's great when subdued. he says there's a line later in the show where he says he's describing I think um, the other vic one of the other girls and he's talking about waiting outside of her window oh and, and the wind. sprigs of mint but then he says um, the the I, maybe it was about Mulder's mother. I don't know. No, it was about the other one. Where he says, I had her on the hook for this, you know, Electrovac 52. Yeah. And he's like, but she didn't ultimately didn't buy it. And he just goes, oh, well. Yeah. And it was brilliant. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. This yeah. Guy is so he's fucking so creepy. he's really funny. Yeah. And he remembers all those details. Now, with Mulder. So going back to the dream thing. Right. Yeah. He could have because Scully says this. She's like, he could have looked it up online. I'm sure even at that point, there are times where Mulder's described as sister's disappearance i'm sure that's not so hard to find that he was sitting there and Although, talking in 96 to i did have that note where she actually says they walk out of the interview room and she says yeah he can find anything out about you on the net Mulder." well it's interesting and I'm like in 96 like if i were on i was on like you know Usenet, like you can find yeah. some of my star wars posts from that yeah time, but that was about it but but the fact that they say that makes me think that they knew it was going to happen happen or to them it seemed like you can get everything now right. you can really get everything right. but back then maybe if you could get like 10 things you're like you could get everything because it's a, such a new thing get, there were news i mean it was a kid you know it was a missing a famous missing person and yeah he's a he's a, he's a relatively well-known fbi guy i mean here's the central question which i would i actually I, i'm not sure of the answer and i would put to you which is do you think that um, Roche was getting into that there was a supernatural route to this where Roche was getting into his head 
and knew all of the things that Mulder was saying, even though he was telling him, oh, because I was waiting outside. And he had an excuse for it that was more prosaic. But ultimately, when Mulder says, you're in the wrong house, asshole, which was awesome, you think, well, then how did he know all of that? Well, I think that I know that Mulder's done those hypnosis sessions and he's talked about all those details multiple times. Maybe I would love for there to be a way to make sense. Like even with, you know, the net, even though there wasn't a lot of stuff, I can buy that he found some transcript of something. Or Mulder's known for writing those weird, like, articles as MF Luder, you know? Yes, yes, So that could be something that he found. I don't know how much sleuthing he did, whatever. That could make sense. Um, Everything else sort of I can buy except for the first body that Mulder finds. yes. Maybe it was, you know, it was he was so intimately familiar with this case that in his head he was churning through the details and he figured something out because there's the name of the park. It would have been great if Scully had been like, but look, the clues were all here. Maybe right. you put it together at right. this moment. So I would love it because the thing is, Tom Noonan's character, John Lee Roche, is never convinced of the dream thing. He just sort of mentions it at, at the end, like, oh, maybe you're maybe right. we did have a connection. Yeah, but he yeah. could be fucking with him. But it clearly isn't, in that moment, it doesn't seem like he is super aware of this dream connection. Well, but there's one other bit that's hard to explain if it's not something, if it's either one of two options, that he is telling the truth and that he did actually kidnap and and do damage to his sister or two that he is um, able to get into Mulder's head and is, and is gaslighting him. And that is when he tells him the exact model of the vacuum that he sold his mother. Yeah. But maybe he was, that was just a very popular model. I thought of that. I bet back in, back then in the, when was this the seventies that she disappeared? It was 1973. That How she many models of vacuum cleaners could there have been? He yeah. he mentions two models, mm-hmm. and it's it a 50-50 w- chance is one of them. <laughs> but I feel like I mean I don't I can't imagine that he could have just played the numbers on yeah. that. Like if you're now you're like. But not only would he have to know that he they had a vacuum that was sold because either he was there before and it's funny to get into the weeds on this because there's so much to talk about in terms of just yeah, the details the of the episode stuff, which are so yeah. great, but that that. <laughs> It's also what's fun, I think, about dissecting it is that this all happened well before Mulder was he was a kid, like yeah. m- meaning he wouldn't have necessarily known unless later on the coincidence. I buy that coincidence that ultimately Mulder was the guy that got on his case because he became, by virtue of what happened to his sister, he became Fox Mulder. He became yeah. a, a you know a expert FBI profiler. But either John Lee Roche was telling was was selling vacuum cleaners and sold or tried to sell to Fox Mulder's parents or did I mean because it becomes too much of a coincidence more than even just the number of the 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 brand of the vacuum that he even knew like that there was a vacuum like that did dad ever buy you vacuum yeah it's it's in the back it's under the thing and I mean is that possible that he would have just guessed all of that I mean the idea of someone having a vacuum, a vacuum in Martha's Vineyard, yeah. everybody has a vacuum. True. Um, usually when this, you know, it was dudes that bought the right. vacuum. I right. don't know. I, To me, that part, I can, even if it's not logical in my head, I can fuzzy it enough to right. make sense. It's the first body that's hard for me. Because the, the truth is that he didn't do that to Mulder's sister and he wasn't 
at their house because he didn't recognize the house. Right. So, so he, he didn't, didn't sell them the vacuum. But then he actually says, this is where it gets a little bit confusing or at least open to debate, which is even after he exposes him and he says, this is the wrong house, John, uh, Roche says... It's just geography. Is, it's just geography. Who cares? Like, I knew everything else. Like, basically, he doesn't say, you caught me, I didn't yeah, do Yeah, but it. he wants to fuck with Mulder still. Right. This game is still going. The right. game isn't over until right at the end when he shoots him in the head. Right. Well, I want to talk about that too, but let's get let's get to that. Yeah. Um, um, I like the... Uh, I read a thing, and I'm sure you read Darren Mooney mentions that... Um, Vince Gilligan says that the laser pointer thing is yeah. from a different episode. I think it's so funny that Mulder's literally been controlled like a cat. Like yeah. in, his, in his search of the truth, it's just like a laser light show kind of that he's like a cat just jumping around, not understanding the source of it. I thought that was a pretty yeah, good metaphor. Yeah, great actually. Yeah, and um, I liked e, uh, the, um, what, what does this say here? Mulder calls the forensics team based on a dream. That's pretty crazy. That's the least of the pretty crazy FBI <laughs> things that happen in this show. Not the least of which being a guy who takes a convicted serial rape oh, yeah. in custody and then loses him, who then gets another child. like A child, child that he has met before on the plane, which I was like, oh, he's just fucking Skinner's with Mulder. It's like pretty chill, all things considered, by yeah. the time you get to that part of the story. Right, I, you don't, yeah. I don't have your ass in a sling, yeah. he says. Well, that's after he punches the guy. Yes. But it makes sense with Mulder, right? It makes right. sense that Mulder would punch him it makes sense that Mulder would oh, take yeah, yeah, him yeah. out I just meant that it's anyway we, yeah it's it, yes and you're right it makes sense that Mulder off a dream would call the forensics team right. and then when, when Scully shows up she's like what did what happened and he doesn't want to say it and then she asks him once more and he's like alright fine I had a dream right. and this was the dream I thought that was fun where he's like alright she knows I'm crazy Right. she's gonna understand I really liked her in it because I thought that she was the voice of reason in this one in a very good way. Because usually sometimes she's saddled with having to sort of jump through hoops mm -hmm. to make sense of something that clearly doesn't make sense. She's I very empathetic to him, which is nice. Yes. In the episode. And I think, again, Darren Mooney brings this up where he says that she's always empathetic to him. And, and when he doesn't believe her, he's very dismissive yes. of her. And that's pretty consistent. That, that sort of stays. Like, she really cares for him. And he cares for her, but he cares more about, like, his obsessive quest for the laser light of truth. Of truth. Yeah. Um, Hasn't the car already been searched? Not by me. Not by me. He's Love so it. cocky. But then, but then later she says, when he's at the end, he says, I know you. You'll find the girl or whatever. Yeah. He says, We'll find her. I do know you, he's, she says. So she sort of like supports that. And, yeah. And she runs interference for him and she's not going to tell on him when he punches the guy and stuff. And it's she's really like, because she knows that the sister thing is a crazy little yeah. thing for him. Well, but it does bring up, because the only thing that I, that I think rang a little false in that regard, and I think it was only for story reasons, was that, you know, when, when, even when Roche says, okay, take me out of here, you know, I really just want to get away for a few days and I'll take you to her. And she says, you can't do that because it'll never stop. And, you know, it's the kind of classic thing that they say in this movie. And yet it's like, well, actually, if the, you could, you know, it's like in Sansa Lens, they do take Lecter out for, I mean, that didn't end too well. Yeah, that movie, it never but, ends well. <laughs> that's true. But it's like, she's so at that point, like, get over it. Like, you can't do this. You got to get over it now. When... 
this could be, meaning if in fact it could lead to either the answer to the mystery of his missing sister or the a different final girl. body, it's like, actually, you probably should consider that. Yeah, right? but I think she, yeah, that's a good point. But the story needed her to say no because he had to go against He everything. has to do it on his own. But I know she n- is never convinced that Samantha's involved. Right. That is never right. a thing. So she does know that he's fucking with Mulder. And maybe she doesn't know exactly what his endgame is, but I think she knows that there's an endgame. And he, you know, he gets away from Mulder very easily. Yeah. Well, but this brings up the, the dream thing again. Is he either causing it? Is he yeah. involved with it? Because he does it in such a way where when Mulder wakes up from this, and it was great, like Samantha's in the car, and yeah. the car can't get the door open. It, it, it mm. had the feel of those classic anxiety dreams that we all have of just either being you can't get in the car you're being late getting to the airport and you can't you just can't get on the plane you're gonna it's just those very simple things you can't do and then the car drives away yeah but then he wakes up and he's handcuffed yeah it felt like he was put under somehow or hypnotized yeah yeah it does i just wish there was one moment either way yeah where you knew and I don't mean like I don't mean in the sense of I don't need everything explained. Right. You know, I just if one moment of John Lee Roche knowing that he's in doing the dream or because we, we never really get him to admit it. Or at least something in the end, you know, almost sort of psycho style where they're able to kind of deconstruct a little bit of what happened. So yeah. That there's at least a suggestion he had something else going on. Behind the scenes, after the yeah, action is over. Yeah, his front lobe was too, was was over. Yeah, or something, or even yeah. if it's just like we found all this information. Well, that doesn't explain this. Well, it shows why he had all your information in his. Something thing. would have been good because the thing is that's not the mystery they want. The mystery that they want to set up is is the Mulder sister involved or right. not? So you can be vague about and that. And you can leave that in. It's just something yeah. that shows he was at least playing him. And the reasons I agree with you, it's not so much about needing anything explained completely as much as it is the show is so good and prides itself on taking these things seriously. Yeah. Like where other shows would be like, well, there was a, you know, it's a, it's a dream and maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Like X-Files goes out of its way to say like, there's a rationale behind this. Yeah. Even if it's not totally believable, even if it's something Scully missed and he saw, it's, it's something where they don't just leave that hanging in a way where you can't decide for yourself. Right. That's where I thought it was a little, and it's hard because I do love Vince's amazing and, and yeah, and I think this episode, episode works on so many levels. It's just the dream thing. Here's it's a question for you, and I noticed this. I, I actually again watching it on Netflix, and I watched it. I actually watched it a couple times because I it occurred to me that um, Samantha is not wearing either of those two patterns <laughs> in, in that the, in the in dream. The dream. In the Stratego dream. Yeah. And so was that conscious? It must have been. So I don't... That, and I don't think he necessarily would have remembered what she was wearing. I mean, no. I, I don't and that's that. why he asks his mother. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. she doesn't remember either. Well, she well, had a stroke. Great continuity. Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of continuity because you also reference something that he said earlier where like a dream is just an answer to a question. We haven't learned how to ask. Remember that? And they say that a few times and that's from an earlier it's episode. from an earlier episode. Yeah, yeah. Aubrey, I believe, Which is the name of about. the episode. We talked about that we episode. Did. Okay. Yeah. See? Yeah. So this is all it's weirdly connected. Interesting for like a for like a standalone that connects to the mythology in a specific way. 
he does a pretty good job of referencing some stuff from the continuity just to sort of situate it so that it doesn't feel like a you know there's a chance for this episode to feel like it was all a, all a all dream, dream yeah. that kind of thing where like oh this is happening oh nothing it's all fine he's dead um but i think that does uh that the, the the fact that he references this stuff helps uh that aspect of it king of prussia pennsylvania that's a real place. It is. I grew up, uh, there was a big mall there. I grew up in New Jersey. Yeah, it has river. the biggest mall. It's the, um, one of the biggest malls. The uh, Mall of America in Minnesota yes. is bigger if you include the theme park. But yes. King of Prussia Mall is bigger if you just include actual we malls. We would take special trips there as a family. And was it great? Uh, when I was a kid, yeah. It was the mall. And all malls were awesome. So yeah, I love, I, I, I love malls giant, to this day. Like, and they're, it's, have you ever been like... I, I went back home and like went to the mall that we used to go to like every weekend and it's like been cut in half. Oh yeah. And it's like the ghost of what it was. Oh yeah. Like, Everything's shutting really, down. There's like a food court, but like the Cinnabon is gone. Which yeah. Is it's just upsetting. a Panda Express. Yeah. It's not There's even a, that. I think it's just like, and you can see the outline. It's like when you oh, drive yeah. by like old blockbusters. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I, it's one of the weird, I, it's like I was wanted to like take a picture of this one in LA that I love. It's a blockbuster you used to go to and it's like, you can still see the Blockbuster video outline on the wall. Oh, yeah. You could tell which stores used and to be Blockbusters. Like, I don't know. It's such a I miss thing. video stores so much. I was just thinking about this recently, like that feeling of like going in and looking yeah. through all the movies and picking which one and you just looking at the cover. I was because I'm like working on this bit about like, you know, that moment where you go from when you're a kid, like you like every movie that right. you're supposed to like. And that first time where you're like, oh, I didn't like this movie and I was supposed to like it because your brain like became big enough. So I was thinking a lot about like movies I used to rent as a kid, and the, you know, you just you had to you go didn't on. like originally, and then found. No, that I, you know, when I was a kid, I watched like Peacemaster and everything yeah, that yeah, I was yeah, supposed yeah. to like action, horror, sci-fi, comedy. Right. I liked every single thing right. I saw, and then I remember the first time I saw something that I was supposed to like a horror movie with monsters, and I didn't like it because I, my you were brain had gotten so, a sense yeah. of taste. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, it's like, in a way, a loss of innocence, you know. But it there was, is something funny. I mean, again, growing up in the in the in the Star Wars Raiders, yeah. you know, Back to the Future era, is that there are films that like pretty much set the bar forever in yeah. a lot of ways. Well, but they sure. were also a time where you know, growing up right when VHS was was becoming available. Yeah. Whereas I couldn't have watched just as I was becoming a little bit more sophisticated in terms of like what my tastes were like i remember watching godfather one and two on like vhs when i was like yeah. 11 or 12 yeah and was like holy shit this is the best movie like i can't believe like my dad had been like oh you really should watch these movies yeah. I, was like, I don't know i've seen the thing you'd always yeah. seen like the joke or like oh it's the yeah. guy with the big things and he talks yeah. like this and it was those giant two video sets yeah 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 it was i like remember a rainy weekend and i was yeah. like holy shit where's yeah. this why didn't you tell me about this yeah but yeah, so so I I miss that. Star Wars is still pretty cool. Um, Star Wars is still pretty cool. Um, the the crying dad that they go to, that guy was pretty good. And yes, that guy actually was really good. Yeah, he was pretty good. He, and he's like, "Do you guys do this full time?" Yeah. Like, no, sir, not full time. It's not a good job. Uh, I thought that guy was pretty good, and I like that thing of. So here's one thing that I I don't know. Maybe it's a tenuous connection. He says that he thought that him hearing of his daughter's death would bring him closure, mm -hmm. but and it maybe did, but it also made him feel really, really horrible. Right. So at the end, when Mulder decides kind of to kill, he kind of kills 
John Lee Roche to save the girl's life, but he also kills her knowing that he's not going to find the 16th body. Right. Is he trying to avoid another one of those moments, ruin another, like... Because this guy was like, you know, I thought this would be good, but it's not. I you feel mean, horrible. Did, did Mulder decide that he didn't want to know? I, I mean, I think he wants to know, but maybe to him it's like, well, I mean, what... It's interesting. I read that moment a little differently, and I and it's one where I realized I wish they had made a slight change to the way the scene was shot, or or at least cut together, because by having that little shot of Roche's finger tightening on the trigger, which basically forced Mulder to shoot him. Yeah. I think the more powerful, what I thought the show was really building up towards, and the more powerful and um, bold choice, which I don't know, maybe they couldn't do on TV, was the seven thing where he just says. You know, are you, you? You'll never. You shoot me. You never know. Which is, you'll never know. Which is, you know, his Roche's ace in the hole. Yeah. Take me back to jail. Yeah. And for once in his life, Mulder puts something other than himself, this uh-huh. girl's life, above the truth. His own obsession with finding out this mystery and just shoots him. Yeah. Meaning, like, and ma- like basically, and he had to because I mean, like, there was no way out of this. That's because, interesting. I hadn't thought of I that. Think yeah. It, instead of forcing that thing of like, oh my god, he's gonna, sh- I gotta, I gotta do now. it. Yeah. It's he makes a choice. Yeah. And says, you know what? It's not. It's not. It's important, but there are things right bigger now. than myself, including yeah. this girl who, yeah. you know, not only did I put in danger, yeah. but. He really did. Yeah, he really. Mom's did. like, it's my fault. And he's like, no, it's my yeah, fault. It's my fault. Like, and you'll never poor, understand how much it is my this fault. This poor nanny is just kind of like uh, gave this kid up to yeah. uh, an FBI guy, to like, the most creepy looking man ever. Ninety six. I guess he's eight that, feet tall. That happened. Um, yeah, that's a that's an interesting point. I I hadn't thought of that. It would have been maybe more powerful if Mulder, because I didn't even get the. I just got oh Mulder kills him because he has to, right. and then is upset about it. But I guess maybe that is more true to Mulder's character in that he has that he, he would decide. only he couldn't decide and he kills him only because he has to. Yeah, and he's like, too. fuck, I wish I didn't have to kill him. Cause it's just I wondered if it was. It's a little right. cynical, but it's definitely no, actually it's more it's it's more it's more human, I think, ultimately, because it's something where he couldn't he you'd like to think that you're the hero that would be able to to do Make those the things, tough decision. That actually yeah. he couldn't. I just it it played to me like Oh wait! They saw this and said, "Dude, the hero can't just sh- execute the guy." Yeah, like you need to pick up that shot. Oh, it's a Greedo shot first. Y- y- yeah, that's what this is. It's, yeah, exactly. It was Greedo was about to shoot Han. I hate total that so justification. much. I hate that so much. But it made me think of Seven. I mean, different thing in the sense that that would have been Roche wanting him to shoot, like you sure. know, what's in the box. Yeah, like John Doe hit the end of the plan was for him to be killed by the hero. Yeah, but in this, it looked like, in fact, I think it was Roche was saying, "Look, uh, you can't, you gotta take me in, basically. Yeah, like you can't kill me." He knew he wasn't getting away. Yeah, I mean, I think. Yeah, no but way. But he knew that he wouldn't get shot if, as long as he had this girl as a hostage. How cool was that? Like bus yeah all those that bus graveyard it was a pretty big like episode in terms of that aspect and i thought rob uh, there was some great um um even just shots there was a great shot where they i think came in from the break and and he starts on the lights in the morgue turning on and the camera pans up you don't know where you are what you're looking at camera pans up 
and you see Mulder in this really wide shot at yeah. the doorway to the morgue yeah. as alone as he's ever going to be. Like, it was such yeah. a great use of the frame for yeah. TV. Yeah. Because you were like, whoa, like, that's not oh, just yeah. like we started with a guy walking into a room. It's like, yeah. he's not walking into the room. He's standing there because he's looking at a, a covered pile of bones that may be his sister. That's a great scene it's when he goes scene. in and looks at it. He's like, I might be with my sister. That's why I think he's really good in this episode. Like, there's a lot of like, those kinds of moments um, where he doesn't really speak or say, you know, say very much with words, but really conveys what's going on. Um, and then Todd Vanderweff, who reviewed this for AV Club, said that the, uh, the the school bus graveyard is sort of like the loss of innocence of these kids' uh, uh, childhood and stuff. I was like, oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. It's beautiful, that scene. Yeah. I don't know where they found that. They must have just I found that. Yeah, probably in Vancouver somewhere. But it's great. It looks awesome. Um, I like the setup of the mystery of trying to find these hearts to count them. Like, mm -hmm. it's like a, I like that sense of like, there's a mystery that's been, you know, gone cold. It's been 10 years or whatever. And now we got to go find it. Sounds the Lambs does that with the uh, mm -hmm. going into the storage locker and stuff, you know. Um, I really like that. And there's a good, like, practical reason for them to find it because yeah. they want to find this new body. Or uh, That's what I thought. That's what I mean about the procedural writing. It's actually yeah. very believable. And the things that they do in terms of finding first, you know, him. I mean, yes, he has the dream where he sees the car, but then they find out what happened to the car. And then yeah. the whole thing with the Mad Hatter, like the I kind of thought that car. was okay. Like, I mean, even yeah. though it was motivated by a dream, dream. That may or may not have laser dream. been laser dream. And yeah. The, in, in Darren's um, piece, I guess it was, I mean, this is such a minor strange point, but that um, Vince, Gilly, Vince, Mr. Gillian, yeah. um, whom I've never met, but. <laughs> a genius um it had worked i guess in some kind of post-production like it's one of his first jobs oh it was like and, a laser thing yeah, right so he, so he, and then like he originally wanted it to be blue but it didn't work oh in, for production oh but the red laser i thought that was such a i think it's just that the red laser is the cliche it's like it's you like think the it's cat predator you know you yeah. think like it's going on yeah or someone's going to shoot him yeah with a laser scope Oh, sure. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I the thought cat thing is funny, though. when they go to the car, the, the kid being excited, like, oh, this car was owned by Sue. Yeah. I thought that was you know. funny. There was a funny little note. And the way they look in the car, they're just like, he's just cutting open seats yeah, and stuff. Detail. Just, yeah, and they're also like looking under the seat and stuff. Like, I think people have looked there. Right. I know you haven't, but it's not under the seat. I promise you. But then it's. I really want to. See, you've seen The French Connection? No. One of the greatest. It's a great film, but it's. it's, it's they're trying to find drugs in this car that everybody else has searched. And it's just this like 10 minute scene of them taking this car apart to find these drugs. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it's awesome. It's the best. You should see the movie. It's fucking great. I've, I mean, I've heard a lot yeah. about it. There's that great moment too, when he's like, Oh, it was in the camper. He thinks it's in the camper shell. So he's running for it. And Mulder like really, run I, I like the sense of like this camper shell has been here for like 10, 15 years, whatever. Nobody's touched it. Right. But right now Mulder needs to know, like it's right. unearthing these old, mysteries and stuff i i really like that stuff like i've never seen the show cold case but i could see that that yeah. would be part of the appeal of that show um the Allison, detective remake with the two of them yeah just like are we not allowed to talk about your your, your experience is you probably talked we can. about it a lot i have talked about it some i'm excited but i'm gonna do a whole episode about okay. it well i'm excited about it i'm very you excited. now know more than me so it's great i know my episode and i know sort of one other episode right. but i don't know anything I think they just wrapped. I just uh, they did. They just wrapped. Yeah. Um, there is. Yeah. 
it's uh I'm I'm fucking I'm excited. I'm I hope go it's see good. Next month. I really hope it's hopefully good. Hopefully you'll tell me some shit. Where are you seeing him? Uh I'm hopefully just go see him. I beg I'm still obsessed with like doing a movie off of whatever it is that they're that they're, that they're doing that right they're now. Doing. I mean Yeah. It's just hard because T V is so I mean, you know, they're gonna do so well with T V they're like, let's do another mega Six. series yeah. or something. But how great would that be? Oh man, I love that. Um yeah, the descending into the prison, and you keep expecting that it's going to be like some dark little dungeon, but it's this huge open basketball court, and yeah. it's just playing basketball nonchalantly. Hey, oh, you yeah. got a new partner. Yeah, because yeah. Reggie died. Yes. Did you see that episode? I did. That was, I think, season one. Reggie, Reggie. He died. Oh, see, that's another way that he references the the continuity very, of the it show. Was, it's And this is when the show, it was a great thing for fans i imagine because the show at this point was i mean this was this was 96 97 this was the height this is the height of the absolute height of the popularity of the show yeah i also like when Mulder makes the shot like the look of smugness on his face and i bet because i know david duchovny he's a good basketball player he was like hey can we write a scene when i like yeah when i like sink it right away but i wonder that's the thing where you're like how many takes yeah (laughs) you're like how many did they do and he's like he's like no 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 I, i can do it I can just get net. Like, yeah. Don't. Yeah, let me. It kind of rattle around. Yeah. Like, Dave, it went in. Like, it's yeah, fine it's off the fine. backboard. It it's like, no, 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 it's not. Yeah. It's going to be. the other actors are like, it's hot. And this yeah. Thing. But it looks great. It looks great. Yeah. It goes right through. Um, Where, uh, what is this? Um, I'm trying to find out. Why did you say you take it personally? That whole thing is pretty good. That the Yeah, that's why I think it was cool that the. That I would believe that there was some subconscious, meaning the the confusion or the tension of the idea that him saying just that in the basketball yeah, like, court, not like, hey, remember when I kidnapped yeah, your sister? Yeah, triggered the next scene is the dream. Yeah, and that Mulder would say, okay, Why if there's something that? that I'm that's I've buried in yeah. this, that y- seeing you in this new context and you saying taking it personally in this really like neutral way make pulls me forward about like is this possible I yeah that was actually really well done yeah and i like that his battle of wills with because it seems like you know Mueller's kind of being led around but there's that moment where he's like hey bring me the hearts and then i'll tell you right then he brings him the hearts but he's like you can't touch them they stay in the that bag was great. no and he, that was he, great he moves to touch them oh man yeah Tom Noonan was so good yeah he's uh unbelievable and he's just bored he's like pick her out pick out which one she yeah. is it's so like casual well, that and when he says, I mean, this is the the darkest moment in the show is when he says, um, and it'd be great to see your face again. Yeah, to and see your face when he's like, Scully's even like, all right. Uh, you this. motherfucker. Yeah. yeah, her look is like, yeah. what? Yeah, right, we just want to see your face. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, and he is a great salesman. He's like, yeah. Malta says it later, but he's still selling vacuum cleaners. And, you know, he's like, you know what's interesting? Eichmann from the Nazis was also a vacuum salesman. Really? So it's interesting that they picked, um, and I I think it was him. There was a big Nazi guy who was a vacuum salesman. But I think it's interesting that they picked like the most banal seeming job. Well, there are always those kinds of, you know, they they tend to be, at least in the literature, I don't know how much of it's true, but they always tend to be people that travel a lot for their jobs. Yeah. Um, there was a great, um, did you ever read Stephen King's Full Dark, No Stars? No, that's it's, a great it's name. It's one of his best collections. It's actually, it's a, 
I don't know, maybe it's five or six years ago. And uh, I think they've even made a TV show out of it, although I haven't seen it. This w- amazing short story about a, a wife who is in the garage one day, married to a guy yeah. for however many years, and accidentally discovers like just some weird shit, like, so, like a piece of cloth or like a shirt or something, and gradually begins to realize that her husband is actually this this renowned serial killer who'd been dormant for a long time. Oh, that's great. And never never had any inkling at all. And so she she tries to put everything back exactly as she found it, but of course she doesn't. And she doesn't know oh. whether he knows that she was there or not. It's it's one of the best Stephen King stories of the Oh, I find. that's it's great. great. It's called Full Dark No Stars is the collection. I can't remember what the with the that's great called. oh my god that's fucking but cool. to see that story from the perspective of somebody that's married to that yeah. traveling sa- he was like a traveling salesman there's a great i forget what show it is but on npr it's a story from the perspective this girl whose dad was you know her parents are divorced but she sees her dad all the time he's a trucker and then and she had this weird stuff where she would be in a she would be having lunch with him and he's like i want to tell you something and then he doesn't tell her and then she's in the truck with him and she'll find like weird masking tape and ropes and stuff. And then turns out her dad was the smiley face killer. Mm. And uh, he's still in jail and he writes her letters every week and she never reads them. But this is wow. all true. And I mean, that's the interesting thing, right? That's what's cool about this. It's like the banality of evil. There's a great book called Eichmann in Jerusalem, Banality of Evil by uh, Hannah Arendt. And it's about this where it's like, just sort of evil, not in a Dracula or Hannibal Lecter kind right. of way, but kind of like a boring, you know, well, with those Nazis, if they were, it was like an office job to yeah. be evil. It was like nine to five. But, you know, this guy's a little more malevolent than that. But but still, he's like so boring and normal seeming. Um, and that's what makes it fucking and great. And X-Files has made such uh, great use of those characters over the years as kind of a... Um, counterweight to the more extraordinary aspects of the show and of the kind of bigger global yeah. kinds of things as the mythology in this season gets more and more international and you have Russians oh, and Krychek and, really does. and what's happening there. It's like that the idea that there's still um, you know, the backyard evil. Oh yeah, just evil like wandering America going door to door. Lonely it's highways and so truck scary. So awesome. And that's what I like about this episode. I know that we've had some issues with it, but that's what's great about the show is that it allows for so many different kinds of stories and episodes. And this is a 42-minute show that really nails, for the most part, uh, almost every episode nails. Thematically, it nails stuff. Mm -hmm. Story-wise, it nails stuff and that it's usually airtight. Character-wise, it nails stuff. I mean, logically, it nails stuff. It's a show that is tackling a lot. There's yeah. never an episode that's just them trying to catch a monster. There's this always is, something else so going well, on. This one in particular was so well-paced. You're, you're at John... I was looking at the thing on Netflix. You're at John Lee Roach by minute 12. You, you, there's so little wasted. Oh, yeah. As you get to here, to here, to here, even as you're... And yet, there, you don't feel that there's any... Um, that they've spared... Uh, character development no and it feels long in a good way it feels like i just watched a whole movie like it, it's got all the the rhythms there's the, another the character just on that note there's another little character thing that i i noticed and then um i always feel like i have to i want to give credit to darren mooney because he has so many of these great observations yeah he does everybody that listens to this podcast should absolutely read his reviews that when 
um, Skinner says uh, to Scully, um, you let me down. Yeah. It's like this very interesting moment. Scully, who has major father issues, yeah. you know, in the course of the show. Because what was she supposed to do exactly? Yeah. Like, she didn't tell him about the punch, but then yeah. Mulder went... Like, she left Mulder to go home, and then he yeah. went and took the prisoner. She kind of like... Yeah. But it was such an interesting choice that they made, and they do this a lot in the show, because... And I know we've you've talked about this in different episodes, and we've probably talked about it, too, that for a show that's so ahead of its time for not being, you know, lost, for not being a kind of a, an era where these things were all mapped out of like, okay, we're yeah. this note here and this note here from, from, you know, the, these is a serial syndicated show that they always made efforts to m- make connections to things that would not be out of place in the episode, but is more resonant to fans that know, Oh wow. Like Skinner's her, only father figure that she has. I mean, it's that thing, yeah. It's like a family, right? Yeah. There's the bad kid, the good kid, and the dad. Even and so he's the... just like full metal skinner. Like he is just Oh yeah, he's so on crazy it. in this yeah. episode. Like Oh he's he's great right now. He's like really he's very growly. Hitting a like, stride. Yeah. yeah. I saw a selfie that they took and uh on set for the new season and it made me so happy to see three of them yeah. together. It was so great to have him tweet at me. That's awesome. Mitch, I did see that. I've never met him, but he tweeted at oh, me. Oh, is he not like, in your? You didn't meet him on the show. I mean, you're not. In your no, show? he's not. Or whatever. Yeah, I whatever. mean, I, 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 I've never met him. He, right. But yeah, Skinner, you may have met, but Mitch, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not gonna say anything. Um, yeah, Mulder is uh, bringing him to the wrong house. It was a good little chess move. You got inside my dreams. It seems like Mulder's really trying so hard to make it still. X Files, and then that's something that we've talked about a lot. Like, I, you know, so you got in some of my dreams. He's actually saying, he's is saying, he really it, saying, it, but I mean, Mulder truly believes it, right? But there should be a moment where, for me to really buy that that was happening, there should be a moment where John Lee Roach says that he did get in there, right? But maybe that's part of his game, Mister. Not even give that up, you know. It's just to at least address... This is what I was saying about the Psycho thing. The end of Psycho is great. It's like you finish the movie and you have this guy that basically just like... In case you didn't understand what was happening, he was sometimes Norman and sometimes, and sometimes his mom. all mother. Like, yeah. And it's like a full-on exposi- post-exposition scene. But it's a great scene. It's a great scene. Yeah. But something where you're not... It's for the audience to just go... Like, okay, like, give me something, a moment yeah. to be like, this is... Because this is not something that's ever going to be resolved. No. This no. is done. Um, I also like the way the the stakes escalate where in the beginning, it's just some girl that he finds. How many are there? Find another body. It escalates to now it's Samantha. Then it escalates to it's a real, live, current little girl. Right. So they really do a good job of like keep raising the stakes. And, and I actually liked that it was somebody that that he had a moment with on the plane. Oh, so creepy. It, it was really, it, you might read that as, oh, well, why would he do, why couldn't he just walk down the street and find a girl? I have to call and get the manifest and go find them because it, it said something about his. Yeah. These aren't random girls. He just needed to, like he talked a lot about how he'd watch these girls. Yeah. It's the hunt. He developed a relationship in his twisted way of, you know, seeing. Yeah. Them. I mean, this guy's been in prison for however many years and he's like, 
Yeah. Hey, he's mythologizing so his existence with the sprigs of mint yeah. and all that, and he thinks of himself as the Mad Hatter and them as Alice's. Alice thing was a little bridge too far. That was yeah, my only little unnecessary. Thing. I'm like, glad that they didn't hit it too hard. Right. It's fine if the book is Alice, but it it just was like one too many. Well, it's that it's a retroactive coincidence in that it'd be one thing if he was a like he. He is a child molester who has an affinity for Alice in Wonderland, and there have been many uh, uh, Lewis Carroll theories about oh, his sure. own yeah, state yeah, of yeah. mind. So that's a kind of believable thing. But then to say he lived on Alice Street, that's why he liked <laughs> Alice in Wonderland. I mean, that's yeah. It, that's where you're like, well, you just destroyed what was a really cool, crazy yeah. character dynamic or character, you know, facet, which yeah. is. He had a, a fascination with this, which is fucking creepy. Yeah. Guy like no, Red Alice Red Lewis Carroll. And like, it's about a little girl who gets, falls into a hole. Like, yeah. That's insane. It's horrible. Uh, I did like Scully at the end where when Mulder loses the girl, Scully's like on it. Like, all right, let's do some sleuthing. Let's do right. real work. Right. Like, I really right. like that where there's no moment of like fucking Mulder. She's like, all right, let's figure this out. And. The detective work she does is what ultimately leads them to rescuing right. this girl, even right. though it's Mulder's sort of journey into the bus and trying to save her. But she really like Actually, puts it together. Right. I didn't even think about that. She really does step in because if you think about this is where I was getting stuck in that moment of the show where it's like, OK, so putting all this aside, Mulder is always the guy who goes and acts yeah. and does, you know, acts kind of outside of his jurisdiction and ex authority and all of that. He literally gets a convict. Yeah. One of the most dangerous child molesting serial killers yeah. out of prison loses him. Yeah. And then the guy's got another girl. Like, you'd be like, it's Skinner'd the worst case like, scenario. Skinner would be like, we're all done. Yeah. Just FYI. Like, I'm fired. Happening. You're going to jail like, forever. Is, you, you, you stay here. We're getting, you know, it's, it's, and, and you're right, though. Scully really does kind of like come okay, through. Yeah. Here's what I figured out. I got this information. Yeah. And because then he's like, he knows we'll catch him. And I'm like, yeah. well, how does he. How does he know that? Yeah. She's the wolf yeah. from Pulp Fiction. She's yeah. like, all right, let's fix. I yeah. just watched that scene again with just the wolf. That's a movie if I'm flipping channels and it's on, I'll watch yeah. all every time. And there's this great moment in that movie where he's there and it's um, you know, jo uh, John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson and him and John Travolta's kind of shitty to him. He's like, Hey, could you say please? And Wolf like gives them this long speech, yeah. and at the end he's like, So you know what? Pretty please with the fucking right. cherry on top. Right. So he's not like he doesn't have pride. He's right. not like I'm not gonna say this. He's like I'll say please, whatever gets the job done. Right. And I feel like that's how Scully is, where yeah. she's like whatever needs to happen to get the job done. I don't care about glory. Mulder kind of cares about glory. She's like just do the work. I saw a great meme today about the Kim Davis thing. Yeah, you know? I've seen so many. Have you seen so the good. Scully one where it says didn't believe in aliens, still, still did, did her fucking yeah, job? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Shannon actually tweeted that. I think who's Shannon? Shannon Woodward. Oh, I thought you guys. I don't know. Oh, no, Rhea did. I'm sorry. Rhea Butcher, who yeah. you know and we've had on the show, also tweeted it. Sorry. I yeah, think they both did at the same. time. Okay. Really yeah. Funny. Yeah. No, I'm I'm good friends with Rhea. Yeah. She's no, done the show she, a bunch of times too. The yeah. other one that I that I actually retweeted to. I don't have many, but I mean, I'm like, hey, people yeah. that I know, was the Back to the Future one. I haven't seen that one. It was basically the photograph from Back to the Future with yeah. them disappearing and her and superimposed. <laughs> and it was just, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I have seen that. I saw that one. That one's a good one. That scene of when Mulder goes under the bus and just sees them at the end of the bus. Fucking really scary. That was great. 
really scary. Just a beautiful episode, and visually, like you said. Someone must have given him that little, that little Walther, that little uh, pistol that he had. He had a Walther. He had James Bond's gun. Oh, he did? Yeah. Because, you know, Roche had his, had his pistol, uh-huh. had his Glock. Yeah. And so when he was, he had a small P- Walther PPK, which is the James Bond, famously the James Bond. I know it from Goldeneye. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's like a little reference that they put in there. I'm just saying it might have been his backup piece that yeah. in his, in his um, shoe. It's pretty gory when he shoots him in the head. And I like that right after that, it goes right back to alien pics and stuff, you know. And it's a, it's, it's a thing where it's like Mulder, it seems like, is more obsessed with the past rather than the future. Like he just wants to know what happened, it seems like. Um, and so that sort of leads him to putting a new girl in trouble rather than, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, it's not fully formulated, my theory, but the idea that he wants to know what happened in the past and he'll jeopardize the future, his own future and other people's future to figure that out. And that's something that we've seen Mulder do a lot. And going back to the aliens thing, for some reason, I really like that. Like after he shoots him, the girl runs away. There's a little bit of stuff, and then it cuts to just oh, like picture. seeing the bu- bulletin board in the office. Yeah, the bulletin yeah, board yeah, of yeah. all the aliens, yeah. and you see oh, these are his obsessions that lead him down these little rabbit holes well, that don't I, I guess do that well for him. For me, him. it was that that, and again, I think I was looking at it like um, again the the idea of what was that shot? Meaning, did he shoot just because he had to? Yeah. But that it felt when they cut to that panning shot, I was I felt wow, look how. I mean, what does that mean relative to what you just went through? Meaning the yeah. realities of, you know, this kind of evil that that he actually. And I don't, I'm gonna make a big deal out of it that he put this girl in jeopardy. I mean, it's just the story of yeah. what happened. I mean, obviously he's he's he didn't think he was gonna get hypnotized. No, and, and you know, somehow you know uh, handcuffed. Yeah, but. Yeah, we never find that out. Yeah, that was the only weird thing. But I did love the house where he says, yeah. and it was the house where Bill Mulder was shot. Oh, it was really? The same, same house. Nice. That Bill Mulder was shot in the last season. Um, so Todd Vanderwaff, who wrote for AV Club, um, wrote recaps of this. He talks about how a lot of fans didn't like this episode, and he says, yet there are still fans who reject Paper Hearts vociferously, who think it's worthless despite its many virtues, because they always knew that Roche wouldn't be responsible for Samantha's disappearance. The thing is, Gilligan knows this too, and, and he knows that you know it. His job is not to convince you that Roche took Samantha. His job is to introduce doubt in your mind, if even for a moment, and more importantly, doubt in Mulder's mind. The comforting idea of a conspiracy theory is that it removes all room for random chance, that the death and misery that greet our time on Earth can be written off as machinations of the devil or a secret cabal that controls everything that happens. The boldest move of Paper Hearts is that it takes away the certainty that some sort of evil order prevails and replaces it with the idea that it all could be random chance. Hmm. And that's what I think is scariest to Mulder, yeah. right? Where like he he needs this conspiracy to be real. He needs it to exist. And now at this point, we all know it's real and it really does exist. Right. Um, but uh, I think that's what uh, he really articulated that really well. I thought it's a, that is really cool. Actually, I didn't read his review. Um, but I'm gonna, I'll go back and look at it. Yeah, those are the two I read. It's AV a Club provocative episode in that in that in that sense that in all of these ways that it's you can still appreciate it um, for its values even though this que- almost because this question exists of yeah. dreams, not dreams, 
what does it really mean? It's okay that the that the story goes in these directions because yeah. it's a mechanism for the larger idea. Yeah, but there's so much that happens in this episode. Um, is there anything else you want to say about the episode? Um, I feel like I've gotten to the end of my no, notes. No, I feel like I don't think I had any. We covered a lot of ground. Um, I thought no. I really enjoyed watching it. I watched it this afternoon in like my dark room mm-hmm. uh, there's a room where i have blackout curtains and i can watch x-files during the day <laughs> and uh among other things you can do in a, um, i mean i could do yeah. so many things but uh i i really i really was looking forward to this episode because i really loved it the few yeah. times i've seen it it's one i always think of i think the visual image of a guy cutting dresses out because vince gilligan said that he was going to be cutting out the actual hearts of the girls. Then yeah. he was like, nobody wants that. And I think cutting out the dresses is fucking way creepier yeah. and scary Much and fits creepier. in with the character's vibe more. And that he isn't this sort of monstrous, uh, hyper-violent, like, aggressive guy. Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's trophies every, you know, they it's take trophies, different, yeah. different, different values. And it's the fact that it was actually... Cut, it's not just a swatch of cloth. It's yeah, cut it's in a the heart shape of the heart. Oh. Where so he that, has, when that the guys like we used to put the tooth fairy money in there. Yeah, it was so that was beautiful. Like that was yeah. a really well written scene because it's like this guy not only has to confront the fact that that his daughter really did something you know wasn't just missing, but there's a story behind the piece of evidence they're giving him. Yeah, and he has to kind of talk about it. It was really that guy was great. I mean, there's this creepy. Th- Thing. I don't want to get too much into the. Uh, it's so dark. That that, <laughs> that that pedophilia stuff is so dark. And I've, you know, the 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 way that some of them justify it by like, oh, we're both getting something out of it. It's like so horrible. Yeah. But that's that's something that I've read about. Um, and it's a real thing. It's it's the, and the way that's what he does. He sort of mytho- mythologizes his actions and stuff. He's not being horrible. He's no, like there's a, paying it, him tribute or something. But it's the kind of thing that I think everybody. I mean, not just societally, but individually. That it's like there's only so much evil and sickness we can really understand. Yeah. Meaning, you know, we think we've talked about this before, where it's like. Oh, in stories and in drama, you can go back and say, "Well, where did who started evil? Where oh, did yeah. you know? Where did the bad kind of yeah, childhood happen? Was or where, did, him, yeah. who, where did this villain think he's the star of his or her story?" But when you hear, I mean, even just just real the craziness of the the Jared or any of these things, you're like, yeah. it's it's so horrifying to your person yeah. that you can't understand. You just can't understand. It is truly alien. Yeah, as opposed to I don't know. I'm not even saying like murder, like murder is kind of alien to me too, but it's like, yeah, there's lots of different flavors of that. Yeah. Whereas this you just is wanted like, money. So you killed someone. And I yeah. think it's, it's, it's important that the show, and again, like coming out at a time where I don't know, I don't remember other shows being this adventurous. Yeah. In both in format and in content that like that they dealt with it. I mean, I guess you had, you know, the, it was Law and Order on that? I mean, no. SVU, I'm pretty sure, is after this. It was definitely, um, SVU is definitely after yeah. this. You'd had, like, I'm sure there was an LA Law somewhere. Yeah. Where they dealt sure, with, with Benny. But, yeah. Ben, no. But they're really. Uh, um, when does The Martian come out? The Martian comes out uh, October 2nd. October 2nd, very yeah. soon. It's coming out in a few All right. weeks. Well, Toronto I'm excited to see it. On, on Friday. 
um, yeah, I think it's really great, and everybody did a great job. Go I watch hope, it, everyone. People see it and like it. Yay. And then see if you can locate the scene that I tried to act in a chair know, in a I, random I think, office somewhere. Yeah, I know it's seen. It. It's, it's okay. <laughs> they didn't do as good a job. So don't worry, it's fine. All right, thanks, guys. All right, thanks. Feral Audio. It's Jacques. It's Carl. It's Edgar. And we are your boys from Against the Grain. Check us out on iTunes. Subscribe to us or listen to us on your favorite podcasting app. We talk all the shit. We talk none of the shit. We talk a majority of the shit. You should check us out and listen. See just how much shit we really talk. Yeah, baby. Against the Grain. <laughs> <laughs>